Welcome to the Baseline Feed, where we invite aspiring writers and voiceover talent to showcase their abilities and kickstart a career in the exciting audio drama industry. Welcome to the Baseline Feed Podcast. I'm your host, Tanner Wood. Before we get to the second part of Hillside House, I'd like to do two things. We established this podcast to serve as a baseline for aspiring authors and voice talent, hence the name Baseline Feed. If you're interested in trying your hand at either, we would love to work with you for Season 2. Please send an email to submissions at baselinefeed.com with a story or to casting at baselinefeed.com with a voice demo. Don't forget you can also check out our website at baselinefeed.com. There you can see all of our episodes and even chat with us directly. We've received such overwhelming support for this project and we cannot thank you enough. If you enjoy what we're doing here, please feel free to leave us a review and a rating or check us out on Patreon. It's now time to highlight our voice actors and writer. Every story comes from somewhere and today we're bringing you a story written by CM Peters. She also plays one of the characters and is joined by Harley Easton, Katie Tatry, and Tanner Wood. Jack just found out a massive secret about his family. How will he cope in this house that seems to hide even more secrets? I was speechless, and it was then I noticed the date on the page, two days before my birth date. My breath caught in my throat while my whole body froze in shock. Olivia's my... my mother. Unable to pry my eyes away from the journal, my fingers gripped it tighter as the thought sunk in my mind. She's my mother. I have a mother. A real one who loved me. My heart fluttered. Oh my god, I... I have to find her and tell her that I know. My baby boy. An ethereal voice rose in the room, just as the temperature dropped again. I looked everywhere, intrigued and scared at the same time. Who's there? Before my widening eyes, a form appeared, and as it took shape, I recognized Olivia. Are you... are you really here? I'm dead, yes, but I'm here. My heart thundered in my chest as I watched the form floating in front of me. I'd seen many things during my deployments. Beatings, tortured bodies, mangled animals. I'd even seen children wearing bombs underneath their tunics. But never ghosts. I wasn't even sure that I believed in them. With a trembling hand I reached out to touch Olivia, but met only a cold wall of air that somehow felt damp. My breath was short. I pulled back, sitting straight up on the couch. There wasn't much I feared in life, and I wasn't sure what I felt. Fear, anguish, or intrigue. Ghosts are not real. But the lopsided smile Olivia gave me made me think again. Are they? I shivered, closed my eyes, and shook my head. I'm tired and seeing things. She's not real. Then I felt a cool touch on my cheek. I opened my eyes with Olivia's face floating near mine. (laughs) Boo! Holy shit! 
I jerked back, staring at her. How? Olivia didn't respond, and all I could do was stare. It was the first time I'd ever seen her so calm, so serene, even happy. She approached me, and this time, I didn't shrink away. Where... where are you? Here, with you. No, your body. The police are looking for you. That doesn't matter. What matters is now you know. I'm not and never was your sister. She floated closer to me, sitting on the love seat by my side. I've wanted you to know for so long. As I looked at her, I didn't know what to say or do. I never believed in supernatural things, no matter how many ghost stories my army brothers told during the nights in the field. But there was Olivia. We could see right through her. But when I didn't focus on that, she was almost corporeal. I lifted my head to meet her eyes. Why didn't you? You were so young. They made me. You've been reading my journals, so you know what they did. They couldn't force me to put you up for adoption, but... Since they hid me for months without my knowledge, mother faked the pregnancy. A few hours after you were born, they forced the doctor to write down on the birth certificate that you were their son, not mine. I'm... I'm sorry. No, I am. I should have fought harder for you, but I was so weak after the birth. They made sure I wouldn't do anything, so I had to watch them raise you. So many things made sense in my mind now. Why Olivia rebelled so much, why she sometimes had that strange look in her eyes when she looked at me. And the way she reacted when I was sent off to boot camp. You called father a- He's not your father! A massive gust of wind ran through the living room, once again extinguishing the fire. I stood, taking a few steps back. I didn't mean to make you angry! Just as quickly the temperature rose again, though the ashes didn't flame up. I am sorry, Jack. Please sit down. I have so much more to... A rumble coming from the first floor interrupted her. I noticed the fear on Olivia's face. What? What's going on? I'm not as strong as I want to be. I watched her look all over the room, even to the ceiling. What is it? Leave. Now. If you don't, you'll never be able to again. I'm not leaving, Olivia. But when I looked at her again, she was gone. And the den was freezing cold. I lit up a small fire, watching it closely as I sat, to continue reading. I wondered if Olivia would appear again while I read. My little baby boy Jack. I named him for that one of my favorite authors, Jack Kerouac. And neither mother or father objected. It's the only concession they've made so far. I wish Jack's father had his say, but I still haven't heard from Simon. Only rumors. Some say he was sent to Europe by his father to learn the business. Others say he's working on a merchant ship. Whatever it is, I hope he's safe. And I hope he knows how much I love him. I always will. Always and forever. That's what mother and father don't understand. Simon didn't force me. I gave myself to him willingly because I love him. But they don't know what love is anyway. They're both so cold. The only love they know is for religion. I wonder how Jack will grow up stuck between those two. That's why I'll never leave. He's the only reason I'll stay in this house forever if I have to, so he can be safe and feel loved. But I didn't. My eyes stung as I remembered my cold and lonely childhood playing alone while I heard Olivia fighting with my... her parents. 
and without Simon's last name it was hard to find anything and there was more than one man named Simon in this town. I put the journal down and grabbed another. The date on the first page made it that I was about three at the time, way too young to remember. Olivia's handwriting was scraggly in this one. He's gone. Simon's gone. I heard someone say his name at church and walked over with Jack in my arms. I held him so tight that he whined a little. Thought I'd heard wrong, but I didn't. He was found in the harbor. Some people say he jumped overboard because he wasn't let off the ship, but there were marks on his neck. I know he was killed. I know it in my heart. And now my son has no father. As I read, I noticed the ink had bled through the page, seeing wrinkles on it. She probably cried while writing this. Now we're stuck here with them. I need to find a job and get my son out of this house before it's too late. Without Simon, it'll be hard, but I can do this. I know I can. But you never left. Thinking about how much she suffered from her parents, I felt bad that I never really took the time to get to know her more. But at the same time, I asked myself why she didn't do the same with me. I'm sure there's reasons why. I hoped to see her again, now unafraid of her presence. I shifted to make myself comfortable, legs hanging from the armrest. As I'd done many times before, I stared at the fresco-style ceiling to think, and before I could make sense of anything, sleep won me over. The crackling of thunder woke me. Barely a few hours had gone by when I checked my watch, but I still felt as tired as if I'd stayed up all night. The living room was freezing, the fire was dead and all the windows were open, letting in the wind and the rain. I hurried to close them all, but it didn't make me feel safer from the storm, even when I realized I hadn't been the one to open them. The atmosphere was different in the house, heavy, constricting, and secretive. Seeing how late it was, I told myself it was better to go back to the B&B and continue reading the journals there. I would return tomorrow to finish taking notes about the shape of the house. Now that I knew Olivia's fate, even if I had no clue where her body was, I could put Hillside House for sale and try to move on. By the time I reached the lobby to put my jacket on, the temperature had dropped drastically again. I shivered, seeing my own breath when lightning lit up the room. I turned the doorknob, but when I pulled it open, the door didn't budge. I tried to pull again, to no avail. What the hell? Can't be Olivia playing tricks on me, that's for sure. I kept jiggling the knob, thinking I hadn't turned it enough. It still didn't work, the door wouldn't move an inch. I turned around slowly, hearing a creaking sound behind me. Olivia? Mom? What I saw made my skin crawl. It wasn't Olivia at all, but a large form, dripping with water and blood. Half of this ghost face was mangled and the other bruised a dark purple. I staggered back, unsure if I was scared or surprised. The stench coming from the specter made me gag, but didn't bother me enough to throw up. I had seen cadavers before. Instead, I chose to run away from this ghost, unsure of who it could be, but it felt like it meant me harm. I dove to the side and ran up the stairs as the lights flickered. From up there, I watched the form turn slowly, sloshing and grunting, then move up the stairs to reach me. Now I was afraid. I'd known fear lying in wait, enemies on the field, snipers in the desert, IEDs. This was a different kind of fear. 
I had no idea how to deal with this. There was no protocol for it. None of my hard-acquired skills could help me here. While I watched as the entity floated up the stairs, my body stiffened in a defensive stance. I didn't have weapons against a ghost. When the form reached the landing, the stench was mingled with a familiar scent, one that I always hated. Lavender. The same perfume Marion wore day after day. Breathing through my mouth to avoid it, I stared at her deformed shape. Marion? When she responded, her voice was like nothing I'd ever heard before. A mix of those horror movie voices and moans from the beyond the grave. But the words were garbled and whatever she said I didn't understand. The blend of the stench and lavender was more nauseating. And even breathing from my mouth, I could taste it. I gagged once more, moving away from her. Don't come near me. You never wanted to when I was a kid, and now I don't want you to. Ever. The shape lunged with a hissing sound, and whatever it used as arms were up, as if to choke me. I slid to the wall to my right, but couldn't avoid its touch. My body was immediately filled with dread, cold, and disgust. My chest tight, I felt my energy draining little by little, each breath shorter than the last. I wanted to run, but found it impossible. My body was too weak. Get away from me. As much as I wanted to, I couldn't find the strength to fight. Using the wall to help me stay upright, I hobbled down to the east wing. If I could reach the dumbwaiter and hide in it, I could at least put the door between us. But with every step I took, air left my lungs a little more. Nothing I'd gone through during my years as a soldier ever felt like this. I fell to the floor, but continued to drag myself on the carpet, coughing as I went along. The more I advanced, the less I felt I could reach the dumbwaiter, my strength fading away. A thought crossed my mind as I saw the journal I left behind. Olivia! Mom! Help me! The creature that was once Marion Whitcomb screeched and lifted in the air, rushing to me. A second after, all the lights in the hallway exploded, the glass flying into a million pieces. A massive gust of wind engulfed the corridor, strong enough to push me down onto the floor. A blinding flash of white light filled the hallway, warming me up and throwing Marion over the railing. Only then could I take a deep breath, my eyes fluttering in relief. The light I had seen and felt hovered over me for a moment, and I finally made out my mother's face. She took proper shape, kneeling by my side. I'm sorry you had to see her and that she tried to hurt you. Marion is very strong. But you... you beat her. Not for long. She'll regroup and try again. She always does. If she doesn't, he will. I felt Olivia's hand on my shoulder. Not like a real human hand, but like a warm touch protecting me. He? As an Oliver? You stopped calling him father. He's not my father. He never really felt like it. Why would I still call him that now that I know the truth? Olivia's smile reassured me. I can understand why they're still here, but you, if you're still here, it means your body's still around. How would you know what it means, Jack? You never believed in these things. Her touch was so gentle. I felt my whole body at peace, and the pain began receding. I didn't. But seeing you and her like this tends to change someone's beliefs fast. Helping myself up with my hands, I pulled back against the wall. I just don't understand. I don't understand so many things. Like, like how is it that Marion touching me made me feel this weak? 
And why are they trying to kill me? I don't know. Maybe they're confused and just lashing out. It takes a while to adjust to this state. I've had to learn to gather strength. To let go. It's not easy. Then why are you... I mean, if you can exist this way, there's probably something after you die. There is. I'm just not ready to go yet. Why not? I was waiting for you to come home. I finally understood why I found the journals. Why Olivia was still here. You wanted me to know. She nodded, the light around her soft and golden. I wanted to tell you myself while I was still alive, but I couldn't. The whole house suddenly creaked on its foundations, and Olivia's light turned gray and low while her traits froze. He's here. He got out. Oliver? And what did he get out of? There's no time. Get up and go where I used to hide when I wanted to be alone. As soon as she said that, Olivia disappeared, her light leaving with her. The hallway was now dark. I adapted to it quickly, slowly standing to look around. I couldn't hear anything coming, but I felt it. And as evil as Marion felt, this was much worse. Olivia's touch had given me strength again, but now I had to rack my brain. Where did she hide as a kid? The age difference made it hard for me to remember. We never had a playroom, a fort, a treehouse, or a, a particular place where we could just be kids and play. But then it dawned on me. Olivia took comfort in spending time with Lorelai. The head maid's old bedroom was surely the place that she meant. I sprinted to the staff wing to find her bedroom. It was a vague memory, but I remembered having been there a few times over the years when the maid had a present for me. I now figured that those were from Olivia, making me even fonder of my birth mother. Once I reached the room, it was peaceful, and a flowery scent lingered in the air. I looked around to find a place to hide. Ghosts would see me anywhere. This wasn't any desert stakeout. For a reason I couldn't grasp, I felt safe in the bedroom. The window was closed, but I saw the storm raging outside. I sat across the room on a simple chair and waited for Olivia. A bolt of lightning flashed outside, touching the ground close to the massive weeping willow. A little more to the left and would have gone up in flames. And you would have run outside to try and put it out, Jung. Her familiar German accent made me smile. Lorelai, you're here too? She nodded. She was still dressed in her impeccable uniform. Lot of us are. He made sure of it, Titiran. She floated over to me, hovering at the foot of the bed. Must protect Miss Olivia. Always. I know you did, and I'm grateful, and thank you for what you did for her, and for me. Her smile was just as I remembered, warm and kind. She was the only woman in this house with a nice word for me when I did something good. She made it so that I wanted to be good, but that never lasted long when I was around Oliver or Marion. They brought out the devil in me. Did you know about me? About who I really am? She confided in me or not before telling the Whitcombs. I promised to keep her secret. So why are you still here? Must protect Miss Olivia, aren't you? You are home, and they will not win. They cannot come in here. I didn't know much about hauntings of any kind, though I'd heard stories in the many countries I'd visited. All of them had a common point. Ghosts were stronger where they died, which meant that Lorelai could help protect me 
from Oliver and Marion. But could Olivia? I sighed, still not knowing where my mother's body was. Is there anyone else in the house? Lorelai's response was a simple head tilt. I didn't push it, though I didn't really have an answer. I hadn't felt anyone else so far except for the Whitcombs. So why am I here? A cold gust of wind made me shiver, and from the corner of my eye I saw Olivia hovering. She seemed frightened, glancing at the door. You can't stay here. I managed to lead them somewhere, but they'll figure it out soon. No, I'm not going anywhere. There's nothing they can do to make me leave. But they can, Jack, and they will. You don't know them the way I do. You saw what they did to me, so you have no idea what they can do to you. They're dead. What do you think they could really do to me? As I asked that, the door blew into a million pieces, which flew across the room, breaking the window. A massive wind gust enveloped the room, making Lorelai scream and disappear while Olivia moved in front of me. Stay behind me. They can't touch you if I'm there. This is my house, Mom, and I'm not going anywhere until this is resolved and you're at peace. I marched forward steady on my feet and faced the man I thought was my father for so long. Oliver Whitcomb's face was severely deformed, though part of it had caved in. One eye was out of its socket, and a rictus shaped his mouth. A guttural sound came out of him as he reached for my throat, grunting with every move. Even in this form, I couldn't help but laugh. Still as ridiculous as you were when you were alive. Do you think you scare me, Oliver? The ghost's face turned evil and raised its arms, rushing to me. He tried to grab my shoulders, but I moved away quickly. Just not enough to not be touched. I remembered that feeling of Marion touching me and what it did to me. My breath caught in my throat when Oliver hit my chest. I stumbled back as I felt the specter's anger. I groaned and took a few deep breaths, then lifted my head. Is that all you've got? I've seen worse. I've stared death in the eyes. I've faced evil before. Your temper was the least of my worries. When I face death on a daily basis. With every word I took a step, pushing Oliver back. In the hallway, Marion hovered closer, her nauseating lavender scent preceding her. I looked at her, tilting my head. And what about you? You call yourself a mother? A mother would treat her daughter with respect and support through her rough times. Olivia was 15 years old, and she was an afterthought to you, just like I was. The only reason you kept me was to have power over her. You didn't just expect me to behave that way, did you? I chuckled when she let out a shriek and rushed towards me. So scary, Marion. That time is over. It was over the day I left. The day Oliver threw me away like last week's garbage. But you know what? It turned out to be the best thing ever. With the army, I found a family. A routine, and it gave me purpose. I felt safe with them. Not like in this hellhole. As I moved, I pushed them out of Lorelai's room fully, staring them down. The hallway was now freezing cold and I saw my breath every time I exhaled. And I'm here now. And no, this isn't home for me. This is a house. And I'll do what I want with it. Is that clear? Marion and Oliver disappeared with shrieks, and I let out a relieved sigh. I stood my ground as I had it as a teenager, but back then, Oliver still had control over me. Not anymore. I knew this wasn't the end, though. The ghosts would return. I turned back to Lorelai's room from where the maid had disappeared. Olivia was still there, smiling, but the white aura around her had waned as if her energy had been drained. I'm so proud of you. 
You did great. We have time to get you out now. No, I'm not going. Stop telling me that. They will leave, and you can live here in peace if you tell me where your body is, so you can move on. Only then will I move on. I won't tell you just yet. There's more to do. I'll show you. Meet me there in Father's study. The thought of being in the room where the couple had died didn't bother me as much now that I knew what to expect. I ran to that room, going under the police tape once again. This time, I smelled the pipe Oliver used to smoke every evening. When I flicked the light switch, nothing turned on. I flicked repeatedly, still nothing. Well, they probably blew something in the electric panel when they shattered those lights earlier. I'll have to manage without the light. I fished out my phone and turned on its light to see where I was going. Olivia was hovering by the mahogany desk. Over here, the bottom drawer. The one that's always locked? I know the safe password is there, but I'm not strong enough to take it out. Without wasting time, I went around to the desk, crouched down, and patted both sides of the drawers. Nothing came of it, so I slid under the desk to see if there was a trick to it, or if this was just a simple lock. With the phone's light, I saw a wooden peg wedged into the drawer's rail. I pulled it out and heard the drawer move. I got it! I laughed and slid out from underneath the desk to open the drawer fully. In there, I found file after file. Most of them were just bills or invoices. But one was stamped. Confidential. Of course a hidden file. So predictable. What's in it? Marriage certificate, death certificate, birth certificate. Nothing out of the ordinary. Wait! I frowned, seeing adoption papers. Did you let them officially adopt me? Or they just told the world I was your son? We never made it official. I was so woozy and slow after you were born because of my low blood pressure. Trying to fight them was much more energy than I had. I figured they'd just pass you off as theirs. Nope. They did everything behind your back. I showed her an official adoption court judgment with her signature at the bottom. I'm guessing this was forged? Those motherfuckers. She let out a scream that made the floor tremble and the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Calm down. It's okay. They didn't have me adopted elsewhere, and I'm okay. No, it's not okay. I don't remember this. I never would have agreed to give up my rights. I was just waiting for the right time to leave with you. You were my son. I felt her getting angrier by the second, the little light she'd gained back turning darker as she spoke. Calm down. It's too late now, and it doesn't change anything. The papers I was holding flew into the air, slowly coming down into the dark around her. I never would have given you up, Jack. Never. I didn't want to be away from you. And I wasn't. I was always here, Olive. Mom. The name made her smile, and I watched as her light turned a little brighter again. He still sent you away. He did. And I remember how you reacted. The way you screamed at him. I didn't understand at the time, but I do now. A thief childhood killer. I will never forget that. But you have to let it go. I went there and I made a life for myself. I'm fine. But you were gone for so long. felt so alone without you. I'm here now. But you're the one that wants to send me away this time. I just want you to be safe. I love you. I wish I could hug you right now. She tilted her head, hovering closer. I reached out my hand, feeling the cold of her ghost form. In another life, you will. For now, I'll get you some peace and quiet in this house. Then you'll sell it? 
Well, when you're done with your last task, you won't be here anymore, so no point in keeping it. I was never happy here. Wherever I go, you'll be with me. As I said that, I put the papers back in the drawer, then saw something taped to the back of it. So I crouched down and used my phone to get a close-up picture. When I looked at it, I grinned. A big grin. Safe password. 70 12 24. Does that mean anything to you? Olivia moved to a large painting of Marion and Oliver Whitcomb. No, but it probably means something to them. You know what to do. More than once I had tried to open this safe. I'd even been caught once, and the punishment that resulted, I still felt when I thought about it too much. A belt beating that seemed to have lasted for hours. Oliver had never punished me again that way since I had grown three inches over the next summer and gotten stronger than him. And now that I had the password, and the house was relatively calm while the storm outside raged, I finally saw the inside of the safe without fearing Oliver. His ghost was gone for sure, but what could he really do? When I glanced sideways, I saw Olivia was gone. I blinked once, twice, then lifted the painting, putting it on the floor by my side. I swear I can feel his eyes on me. I didn't really care, until I felt this dread wash over me while inputting the code, making the hair on the back of my neck rise. Without looking back, I murmured the last numbers to myself and turned the lock knob. When I heard the final click and the door opened, a loud moan erupted in the room, turning into a scream, sounding like it had come from the depth of a brick water well. I turned to see Oliver's ghost rushing to me, his traits deformed with anger. The words he moaned weren't clear enough for me to understand, so I knew my adopted father's wrath was at its peak. But I didn't care. I wouldn't bend again. As Oliver reached me, I ducked and let him crash into the bookcase, sending the whole shelf worth of books flying into the air. While the specter gathered itself to charge again, I grabbed the only thing that was in the safe. A tin box shaped like those safety deposit boxes I'd seen in banks. I turned to run out, but Marion was blocking the way, her head tilted to the side, showing her horrible face with sagging skin. Move, Marion. You don't scare me. She didn't have to move. I was sent flying across the room. The wind was knocked out of my lungs as I hit the wall and slid down. I groaned in pain as I rolled onto my stomach. With clenched teeth, I pushed myself up into a sitting position. I'd been hit harder in my life, suffered more than this, but I was stunned at Marion's actions. That was when I realized Oliver had grown stronger since our last encounter. I wondered if it was the house giving him strength, or the confrontation. Whatever it was, I had to get out of the study, since they were at their strongest here. The tin box was now dented, enough that I could pry it open without the key which I didn't have anyway. I held the box like a football, whatever was inside jingling while I glanced around to spot the specters. When I didn't see them close, I made a run for it. I reached the hallway just as the house shook on its foundations. The only thing I thought of was to get out of Hillside House, but the door was still sealed shut. I cursed out loud and then turned around to run upstairs. Oliver and Marion were blocking the stairs when I got there. My eyes narrowed and I gave them a lopsided smile. You have no idea how well I know this house. You won't win. I ran into the kitchen, then through the dining room where I knew a secret passage was. With a push at the corner of the wall panel, I opened the hidden door and it closed behind me. But when I turned around, I came face to face with a moaning Oliver. The thunder exploded outside, sending a shiver down my spine. As I looked for an escape, instead of the door leading to the dining room, I saw the walls closing in. My mind's playing tricks on me. 
Oh, is it? It was the first time Oliver had managed to say anything. I stared at him, the cavernous sound of his voice echoing in the tight enclosure. My eyes narrowed and I backed away from the ghost. This is not real. This is not real. I turned around to escape and felt like the air was running out, my lungs hurting more and more as I progressed. I finally stopped when I reached a fake brick wall and pushed it open. I left the secret passage to enter the laundry room, then climbed up the staff stairs to hide in the kitchen. Olivia, I have it. I have what they were hiding. When she didn't appear to me, I called to her again. But nothing. I worried, but didn't wait to pry the box open. It creaked when the metal folded, then revealed its contents. An antique key. I frowned. It wasn't a safety deposit box key or a door key, at least not a key in this house. I heard a gasp behind me, my heart leaping in my throat, and saw Lorelei hovering nearby. Master Jack, you must run. The children are not coming. It doesn't matter. I found what I needed, but I need you to help me. You worked here. Do you know what this opens? I showed her the key. She hovered closer, shaking her head. No, I do not. I do. Olivia's voice so close to my ear made my heart thunder in my chest. I leaned over to take a deep breath. You think I'd be used to this by now? What does it open? The key is for a hidden room connected to their master suite. I found it once and got the belt for it. It didn't sit properly for days. I snorted. Oliver's belt was something I'd gotten more than once myself. What's in there? A nursery. What? We had our own rooms from the start. Lorelai, did we ever have different rooms? Nine. Only us. Did they have another child before you? As far as I know, no. But you know they were not the type to confide in me. Or anyone, really. <sighs> That's probably it. Whatever gives them power is in there. If I destroy it, they'll be gone. You'll be free, and I'll be free to have my own life too. After selling this dreaded house. I left the two ghosts behind and headed to the North Wing. Marion and Oliver had always been protective of their living quarters. Now I knew why. A secret lay there in wait. When I reached their suite's door, I couldn't open it. No surprise there, really. But that won't stop me from trying. I kicked the door right underneath the lock. No results. I rammed into it shoulder first. Still nothing. Son of a bitch! It's probably them doing this, not the lock. It was then that Marion appeared to my side, hissing and growling. Her scent had shifted from lavender to that of the bottom of a trash can. I glared at her. You won't scare me away. One way or another, I will get in there, and I will know what you're hiding. Then I'm sending you back to where you came from. Hell. A flower vase flew at me, barely missing my head. I was helpless against her, so I opted to change my tactics. Marion, you've been suffering for a long time. Whatever you're hiding, I'll help you if you help me. She didn't move, nor did her expression change. But her scent did, and it was a bit less toxic. Let me in. I can free you from this, this pain or guilt or whatever it is you still feel about this secret. I had no intention of really helping her. After all she'd done over the years, I didn't think she deserved any help whatsoever. There was no movement from Marion's side, but I did detect a hint of surrender. I promise, you'll have me out of your way when it's over. You know that's what you want. 
The moment I spoke, I knew I wasn't fooling her. Her scent had changed again, and her lips curled in disgust. With one more shriek, the specter disappeared through the wall, and a moment after, I heard a click and a creak. The door opened slowly, letting me into a whole new world. The Whitcombs had always been secretive about their personal lives, frugal with any expense for the house. But their bedroom was as opulent as a king and queen suite, with a canopy bed, thickly embroidered curtains, and ebony dressers and night tables. I couldn't help but laugh and speak up, knowing Marion and Oliver weren't far. <laughs> this is so pious of you. Never anything nice for your children. Only for yourselves. And now this? You should be ashamed. A massive book flew at me and I barely had time to duck. I stopped laughing, though I didn't want to, hoping Marion wouldn't change her mind about letting me in. As I walked further inside the room, I wiped my fingers on the furniture, noticing there wasn't a speck of dust. Even Oliver's clothes in the dresser didn't smell rank, as clothes would after not having been used for some time. It was like someone was keeping everything neat, as if they'd return at any moment. I strolled around, discovering a new side of the people that raised me. Their bedroom wasn't the dungeon-like room I expected, and it seemed normal for a rich elderly couple. The only difference I noticed was there were no pictures anywhere. There wasn't a trace of their family. Not me, not Olivia, not even the extended family they never saw when I was younger. Only paintings hung on the walls, mostly of religious art. Many times in my life, Marion had referred to God, the devil, heaven, and hell, and her depiction of the latter included me. Finally, I came up to a line along the charcoal-painted wall. A line that wasn't supposed to be there. I ran my fingers along it until I reached the molding in the middle. I pressed on it, and the wall opened. I thought I'd find a secret room with hidden goods or perhaps something like a jail cell. Instead, I found a faded, pale, green-colored nursery. Lace curtains hung from a now-condemned window, which had been sealed by a brick wall, while the other side had a maple wood dresser and a baby-changing table. A few plushies sat there, frozen in time. I even recognized one from an old catalog I'd seen. It was a plush dog that hadn't been manufactured since the early 70s. They had a baby before Olivia? Where is it? Before I could formulate an idea, the whole room darkened as if a cloud from the storm outside had been let in. I glanced back to see Oliver and Marion in the doorway, cutting off the only escape route. I'd have to get creative to get out of this room, but also figure out what was hidden in it that kept them in Hillside House. A quick look behind me as I backed up towards the window provided an answer. In the crib, laid a pillow wrapped in a blanket, and a tiny knitted hat peeked out of the bundle. At first I thought it was a pillow, but when I leaned over, I saw it was indeed not a pillow, but bones. A small skeleton dressed in newborn clothes. Creepy, even for Marion and Oliver. The room darkened even more when I saw Marion and Oliver entered. The ghosts were now nearly fully formed. I saw Marion's wrinkly skin and Oliver's angered traits. The man came forward, his index finger pointing. Never tell. His voice gave me shudders of disgust while the fear I used to feel when facing him surfaced. But with Oliver hovering off the floor, he had a good foot over me. Still, it didn't stop me from being defiant. I'll tell the world what I want. What kind of mother cares this much about a dead child, but not for the ones living under her roof? What would the Lord say about that? I get that you lost a child, but it doesn't change how you treated me or Olivia. 
Marion let out a wail and charged at me, as if to push me out of the way from this remnant of her past that kept her in this house. Seeing an opening, I grabbed the pillow baby and ran right through the door and out of the suite. The only way I knew to end this was to get this memento out of the house and bury it. This would finally break the Whitcomb's last connection to Hillside House, and I could leave. But as I reached the landing that joined the four wings, I found Olivia standing there, almost near opacity. My breath was quick as I spoke. Hey, I found what's keeping them here. What are you going to do? The only thing I can do. Get it out of here and give it a decent burial. Expecting her to follow, I walked over to the stairs. And just as I put my foot on the first step, I was thrown down and tumbled, hearing bones cracking. I blacked out for a moment, and when I came to, I wondered if it was my bones, or those of the tiny skeleton that had broken. I breathed in deeply, waiting for the pain to come. It didn't, so I sat up slowly. And when I looked at the baby, even with the blanket, I knew where the sound of the broken bones had come from, and I felt sadness for this child, who'd never really known peace. I stood, facing Olivia as she floated down the stairs. I was lucky. I'll just grab the baby and go take care of everything for it. I'll come back to say goodbye. Don't worry. I'll get rid of this godforsaken house, too. I never want to see it again. I want to leave it all behind and never come back. I looked up the stairs, not seeing Marion or Oliver yet. But when I turned over to pick up the skeleton in the blanket, I saw my own body with my neck in a strange position, my thigh at a 90 degree angle, and my shoulder out of its socket. Most of all, there was blood coming out of my ears and my mouth. You're not going anywhere and you never will, just like us. Push father off the ladder at the right moment when mother was there. That brought you home, but you should have left when I told you. I looked up at the stairs landing, Oliver and Marion were standing together, evil smiles on their faces. Their bodies were now fully formed. So was Olivia as she stood near me. There was an odd tilt to her head, and when she spoke it gave me chills. I tried to turn myself around in the eyes of the Lord to please mother and father and in your eyes, so you'd never have to suffer for my actions again. I was never enough for them. It was too much for me. I was too weak. <laughs> A weakling. Nothing more. Enough, Father. You've won. Jack, you wanted to know where my body is? It's in the old cellar in the basement, where no one ever went. I, uh, I ended my life there. When I got back from Havencrest, I just gave up. The only reason I did it in the house was to be here if you ever returned, to protect you from them. You killed them? The Lord will judge you. And send you to hell. I've been in hell my whole life, Mother. If there's anyone that'll be judged, it'll be both of you. Olivia took a few steps closer and finally hugged me. It was a strange feeling, physically or ghostly, for me. But I did feel my mother's arms around me. And I hugged her back. I'm so sorry I wasn't there. You're here now, though. Forever... And always.
Wasn't that amazing? CM Peters did such a great job with this story. She will return with more stories in Season 2. Speaking of, the Season 2 story submission deadline is July 31st. It must be fiction, around 2,500 words. Almost any genre is welcome. More details are on our Twitter, and you can submit your stories to submissions at baselinefeed.com or reach out to us there about being part of our voice talent. We close by giving credit where credit is due and highlighting our authors and voice talent. Hillside House was written by C.M. Peters, featuring Tanner Wood as Jack, Oliver, and the narrator. Harley Easton as Lorelai, C.M. Peters as Olivia, and Katie Tatry as Marion. Sound design was by Tanner Wood. Episode artwork and music arrangements by C.M. Peters. We also have a Patreon. We would like to express our eternal love and gratitude to our patrons, such as Eric Phones, Ronan Kumori, DJ Knight Pterodactyl, and TJ Hodder. You guys really do help make it possible to bring you quality content and our authors and voice talent more exposure. If you would also like our eternal love and gratitude along with other goodies, check us out on Patreon. You can find the link to it on our website at BaselineFeed.com. We will return this fall with the second season of Baseline Feed. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great summer. And patrons, we'll be with you throughout the summer. Don't worry. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Baseline Feed. We hope you enjoyed what you heard. For more information, check out our Twitter at BaselineFeedPod or reach us at BaselineFeedPod at gmail.com.